Today we begin a six-week series on forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's going to be a key part of today's message. But this theme, forgiveness, it's under this broader theme of forgive like Jesus. What does it mean to be like Jesus and forgive like Jesus? One of these huge answers that came up when we crowdsourced this last November. How do we be like Jesus? How do we forgive like Jesus? So for the next six weeks, we're going to tackle this really central, but also this really difficult aspect of the Christian faith. And we're going to look at uh, particularly Luke 23, which you just saw on the screen. And Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It's going to be the key. So we're going to do an activity a little bit later in the message, but right now um, there are going to be some slips of paper uh, coming around to you along with some pens. So you can just go ahead and take a slip of paper and and hold on to that, and uh, that'll be used for later in the message. Um, Those will be coming around. Um, Now, all of us have people in our life that we need to forgive. And when I was thinking about forgiveness, I think about forgiveness, it usually starts with some kind of wound. We usually have some kind of way that people have wounded us or hurt us, and so that we need to forgive them. Um, And so I was thinking back on this, and maybe you have stories like this in your own life, and we've shared stories like this before here at GRX, but there's a time where I was in a work situation, and uh, you know, you're, you always have people that are above you. And uh, it was a rough work experience where um, the people that were above us, the people that were above our team, were the kind of managers and the kind of leaders who, if something good happened, they would take the credit for that. If something good happened within the department or on the team, they would take the credit for that, the people above. But if something bad happened... Well, you, got, you guys kind of know where I'm going with this, right? If something bad happened, we downstream would get blamed for that. We'd get, we'd get thrown under the bus. Um, I'm kind of laughing about it now because, just because it was so painful. And if I don't laugh about it, I'll start crying about it and I'll break down. But, but you guys have had experiences like this, right? And then you try to resolve it and you try to, try to make it all work out. You can't resolve it. People in power, they tell one story, you tell a different story, but even the power of story. Your story doesn't, doesn't win the day, their story does, and it's just this big wound. And you, there's nothing you can do, and you just, you just feel horrible about it. That's sometimes our experience in being wounded. And when we step into of forgiveness, what's really important to recognize is that we start out of some kind of wound, that there is some kind of truth that we name, there has been some kind of damage or some kind of hurt, and maybe not something physically, maybe not something you can see, but an internal wound, some kind of wound in relationship, some kind of wound in trust, some kind of internal wound that we experience. And so I started thinking, well, well, what do we normally do with a wound when we experience some kind of wound or some kind of hurt? 
And so it's just like right off the top. Here are like four things that I thought, this is what, this is what I do with a wound. And I think this is maybe what we do with a wound. Um, one, we feel hurt. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that to me. And it's like inside. And then we get angry. Sometimes we're just like rage. And we're like, oh, I want to go out and like bunker somebody's tires. I'm going to just blow them up. Sometimes we can get more, um, we can feel bad, but we can turn it inward. So I call it the curl up. Like, I'm like, it, and it's self-protecting. But you, we get sad, we get depressed, we just, because it was like, oh my gosh. And then it's like this angst. This wound. Now, I do this too. This is, this is crazy. I wish I didn't do this, but I do this. I replay the story. Have you ever been wounded? And then, like, as if being wounded one time is not bad enough. You're like, let's replay this. So you actually wound yourself over and over again because you replay it over and over again. And sometimes it takes the form of, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have gone into their office. Or, oh, I wish when they would have said this, I would have said this. Or, right, if, you're, if you replay the story, you don't need me to replay your story for you. <laughs> and then sometimes we get to this place where we even want to imagine revenge. Like, oh, I'm going to get them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, to get them back. And then, yeah, then they'll be wounded too. And then, yeah, I can't get them back. Okay, so that's some of the things we do with a wound. Now, I'm going to add a few more things that I think are actually um, move us more towards some critical, actionable things. That then, I think it's actually really important that we acknowledge what's true. That in the wound, that we actually acknowledge what happened and what happened with us, and what happened with the other person. And as much as possible, just kind of really rightfully, truthfully name what's going on. I know that that always helps me to have kind of a good understanding of what's true. Sometimes this is what I love about community, that there's people, like someone that's very close to you, someone that you're, that's very trustworthy. You can share this with them. They can come alongside you and listen and pray with you and also help understand what is true about this situation. And maybe, maybe you would need to create some new boundaries. And, and, and that's, that's okay. It like acknowledges what's true. It's, it's how we keep ourselves from being wounded over and over again perpetually. But I always feel like if we have a wound and we're hurt inside, we come to this place that I'm calling the critical decision. There's this critical decision point. And I think it's really key for us if we're going to heal we either decide, A, we're going to take revenge, or B, we're going to release revenge, which is forgive. Now, A, take revenge, I mean, or, or even, not even take revenge, but even reserve the right to have revenge. When we, when we do that, we take revenge or we reserve the right for revenge, what it means is that we play that wound over and over and over again because we're reserving the right that we may want to take revenge down the road. But that, that doesn't help us heal. It, it, it maybe feels good in the moment. It makes us feel powerful in the moment, but it doesn't help us heal. And I would say that the only thing that really helps us to heal those internal wounds, those wounds of the heart, um, is to release revenge. Uh, and that is down the road of forgiveness. 
And so for the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at this idea of forgiveness and what does it mean to forgive. And, I, and, and my big thing is I'm not wanting us to forgive because all good Christians should forgive. And so you need to forgive. That's not where I'm going with this. Where I'm going with this is that I, I think that for us to heal and to become whole from past wounds and hurts, that the road that God gives us in grace is to forgive people and to release the revenge. Now, the first passage we're going to look at is this story of Jesus in Luke 23. And leading up to this, leading up to this scene is he has experienced trial. He's experienced torture. He's been um, denied that people know him. He's been abandoned by people. And this is leading right up to his crucifixion. And so right now, as we pick this up, he's being um, led out from all of his trial, from all of his um, public humiliation, and he's being led to the place of the cross where he will, he will be crucified. Um, and there are other things thieves with him. There, there are other people that are being uh, crucified with him, tortured and crucified with him. So this is Luke chapter 23, verse 32 to 38. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. When the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. I I read that scene and we saw that earlier on, on the screen as well. But can you just for a moment imagine the pain that Jesus was enduring on the cross? He's, he's stripped down and he's being publicly humiliated by people like throwing these, these comments at him. He's been wrongfully accused in, in front of all these people, uh, false witnesses. And then he's being publicly, he's being physically tortured. He's being physically, he's physically bleeding and, and, and he's been nailed on the cross. And then he's being emotionally He's being emotionally abused. And then even his closest friends, they've abandoned him. And Peter has denied that he knew him. So relationally, Jesus is abandoned. And so in the midst of all of this horrible treatment and in the midst of this incredible wound, he prays. He prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Out of Jesus' incredible, like, it's like unfathomable, out of his place of woundedness, Jesus prays forgiveness for those who abuse him. Now, in, in my personal experience, 
forgiveness is really hard. It is really hard. I think it's, I think it's one of the most difficult things that followers of Jesus are actually invited to do. I think it's actually easier to, to give money. I think it, it's easier to go and, and feed homeless men and women than to actually, in our hearts, forgive people. And I think it's so hard because at the root of forgiveness, we actually have to give something to people who don't deserve it. We're actually giving something to somebody who hurt us. And the thing that we're giving to them is we're giving to them grace. We're giving release to someone who was very unloving towards us. See, the giving of forgiveness is that we give grace or that we give forgiveness. And it is really, really difficult to do. So, so actually, for me personally, I was thinking about this even, even more specifically. Like so, there's like a particular group of people that's hard for me to forgive. It's hard for me to forgive people that are in authority. It's really hard for me to give, forgive people in authority because people in authority have power. And then, on top of that, it's really hard for me to forgive other Christians who are in authority. Because I think, well, if you're a Christian and you're like a Christian leader, like, you actually teach people about forgiveness. Like, you should know better than to, like, hurt people. And then you have power and you hurt people. and like So actually, personally for me, the hardest people for me to forgive are people that are Christians in authority, spiritual leaders. And what's so ironic about that is, is that's me. <laughs> like, I'm a spiritual leader. Like, I have authority, and I've been a Christian a long time, so I should know better than to hurt people. Isn't that just crazy? Like, the hardest people that I forgive, that I have a hard time forgiving, like, that's, like, I'm in that category. I'm in that category. And I look at this, and and in this story, there were these religious leaders, there were these religious authorities that were persecuting Jesus. They were abusing Jesus. And Jesus even forgave them. Jesus even forgave them. And, um, you know, this is the really hard thing about being a Christian. If, if you're here at GRX right now and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, then, like, your life is not under this mandate. If you're not a follower of Jesus, it's actually easier because you don't have this call on your life to forgive other people. And that's cool. Sometimes it's nice to not have this heavy, like, mantle. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are, like, wanting to be like Jesus, and if you're wanting to forgive like Jesus, then actually then this is a mantle that's ours. This is what it means to be like Jesus, to forgive like Jesus, is to carry this, is to learn to forgive people especially people that are hard for us to forgive. Hey, let me, um, let me give you these three uh, really brief encouragements about forgiveness. Because, again, I just, forgiveness is hard. So if, what we're going to do for the next six weeks, I want to uh, let you guys kind of understand kind of how I think about forgiveness for us as we will be practicing this in different kinds of ways. Um, one 
Forgiveness is an art. It's an art. It's a practice. It's an exercise. Forgiveness is an art like, um, like playing guitar. Like, like Randall or like Ray playing guitar, or Tim playing the piano. Forgiveness is like playing a musical instrument. And we get better at it as we practice it. Like, no one is a perfect musician the first time they pick up an instrument. No one will forgive perfectly the first or second or fourth or fifth time that they practice forgiveness. Forgiveness is an, is an art. It's kind of a practice. Um, and then it's through practice that we become better at forgiving. So our first attempts at forgiveness, they may not go very well. That doesn't mean that we need to give up. It just means that we're on the right journey and that we need to keep practicing and we keep needing to develop this as an art. And then the third thing, I just want to let us know in our Jurex in community here, um, to be gentle, to be gentle with yourselves as we practice forgiveness. Um, Maybe you've never like intentionally or purposefully engaged in a season of forgiveness. And so it's more important to attempt forgiveness and to fail at it than to not practice forgiveness for fear of not getting it perfect. Like, I'm not looking for perfection here. We're just looking for practice in for forgiveness. So be gentle with yourselves. Be gentle with yourselves. It's more important to, to make an attempt. And so specifically for the practice that I'd like to lay out for our community this week is to practice actually the prayer that Jesus prayed. The prayer that Jesus prayed. And it's, it's not so long. It's, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so this week, you're going to encounter people that will wound you. And I'd like you to practice saying this, Father, forgive them, for they don't know how wounding that comment is to me right now. Father, forgive them, because they, they, maybe they didn't see me, and then they just like, they cut me off right here, and, and they don't know what they're doing. Um, it might be from a past hurt. It might be from a, something, something in your family of origin, like maybe something from your parents. Maybe something, maybe something in your family, so maybe something with your kids. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You are seeing something, and they're not seeing it. I'm not saying what they're saying is right. We're going to deal with that in the weeks to come. I'm not saying what they did was right. I'm not excusing what they're doing. But I'm just trying to give us a vehicle for us to practice forgiveness when people wound us. Jesus' prayer is incredibly challenging. Um, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I'd like us to practice uh, that this week. There's a, um, there's a bit of a letter that I want to read. And it comes from a man who was a monk. His name is Father uh, Christian. And in 1990, uh, in the country of Algeria, there was a massive civil war that was going on. And it was a very conflicted and violent situation. So there was this monastery in Algeria near one of the towns. And while the civil war was going on, 
the monks needed to decide whether they would stay or leave Algeria. The presence of the monastery helped to protect the town and the townspeople because the foreigners were the monks. And then the monks were also providing medical care to anyone who came to them. So the townspeople wanted the monks in the monastery to stay. The government wanted the monks to leave and evacuate the monastery. The monks decided to stay. And Father Christian was the uh, superior, the leader there. On May 24th of 1996, a group of religious terrorists announced that they had killed the monks who they had previously kidnapped from that monastery. They had been held as hostages uh, for a couple of months, and then they said that they had killed them. Now, before the kidnapping, Father Christian had written a letter to his family, and he gave them instructions to open the letter in the event of his death. So after he was killed, the family opened the letter, and this is what he wrote. Father Christian writes, If it should happen one day, and it could be today, that I became a victim of the terrorism which now seems ready to encompass all the foreigners living in Algeria, I would like my community, my church, my family to remember that my life was given to God and to this country. I ask them to accept that the one master of all life was not a stranger to this brutal departure. I ask them to pray for me, For how could I be found worthy of such an offering? I ask them to be able to associate such a death with the many other deaths that were just as violent but forgotten through indifference and anonymity. My life has no more value than any other, nor any less. In any case, it has not the innocence of childhood. I have lived long enough to know that I share in the evil which seems to prevail in the world, even in that which would strike me blindly. I should like when the time comes to have a clear space with which, uh, which would allow me to beg forgiveness of God and of all my fellow human beings, and at the same time to forgive with all my heart the one who would strike me down. I could not desire such a death It seems to me important to state this. I do not see, in fact, how I could rejoice if this people I love, meaning the Algerians, were to be accused indiscriminately of my murder. I know the scorn with which Algerians as a whole can be regarded. My death clearly will appear to justify those who hastily judge me naive or idealistic. But these people must realize that my most avid curiosity will then be satisfied. This is what I shall be able to do if God wills. Immerse my gaze in that of the Father to contemplate with him his children, all shining with the glory of Christ, the fruit of his passion, filled with the gift of the Spirit, whose secret joy will always be to establish communion and to refashion the likeness, delighting in the differences." And then he closes this way. For this life given up, totally mine and theirs, I thank God. In this thank you, 
I certainly include you, friends of yesterday and today, and you, my friends of this place in Algeria, along with my mother and father, my brothers and sisters and their families, the hundredfold granted as was promised. And you also, the friend of my final moment, who would not be aware of what you are doing. Yes, for you also, I wish this thank you to commend you to the God whose face I see in yours. And may we find each other happy, good thieves in paradise, if it pleases God, the Father of us both. Amen. So you have this paper with you. In just a moment, we're going to do two things. We're going to um, replay the opening video, and then we're also going to have a time of communion. And during the video, it's a time for you to reflect in your life. uh, Who has wounded you? Who do you need to forgive? And that piece of paper and that pen, you can write their name down, and you can even write, if you want to, what you need to forgive. Now, if it's too hard to do that, or you don't, you don't want to put their name down, you're sitting next to someone, just simply draw an X on your paper because you know who that is and you know what that's for. And then during the communion time, I'll invite people to come forward and receive communion. But fold your paper and um, you'll bring it forward and you'll lay it on the communion table here. Um, and what I'll do is I'll collect those at the end of the service. No one's going to read those. I'm going to do something with the cross next Sunday and these pieces of paper. But this is a practice for us to practice this understanding of Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And um, yeah, so let me leave that there. We're going to replay the video, and then after that, we'll have a time of communion.